Does anybody ever struggle to have your attention fixed on one particular issue? A couple of you. Or say you're fixed on a particular issue and something else arises, you're quick to jump on the new thing, forgetting the thing you were working on at the moment, and then you come back an hour later and say, wait a minute, I was working on something else. What was it? Anybody like that? Or anybody have trouble focusing on one thing when there's, you know, <laughs> I use my house as an illustration, uh, uh, sound resonating at a thousand decibels from every corner. Anybody have trouble focusing when there's a lot of loud noises? Well, I was thinking about this the other day, and I can remember in college, and in the dorm where I was in college, we had these big old heavy doors, uh, but these hard floors all throughout the building, and there was a gap of about three or four inches at the bottom of the door. I'm not sure why, but they did. All the doors had this. And so pretty much you could hear everything that went on on the hall. You get everything. You could hear the guys across the way arguing. You could hear the guy three doors down playing his video games. You could hear when the door of the dorm opened, even though I was at the opposite end of the thing, because this massive gap and the hard floors throughout the entire building. And I was thinking about this the other day, thinking I was able to study and get my work done, even with all the racket going on. But now, I try to read one article about anything, and I have, you know, this kid's asking me this, or that kid's asking me this, or this, or the TV's on, and, and all this noise is coming in, and I, I can't read one sentence. I can't focus. And I, I started thinking, where did I lose it? it? I mean, not just where did I lose it, but where did I lose the, the ability to focus. Like, I, I mean, I can remember back, I mean, I lived on the hall with the baseball team, and they were loud in college. I mean, loud. And, and, and I can remember still being able to focus and, and, and do what I needed to do and not have all the, the, the noise pulling me away, but now I can't. I, I can't. It just doesn't function. It's like a, a muscle that hadn't been used for so long, and now I've forgotten how to use it. On occasion, I can zero in on, on one particular thing, but it's sporadic, and it takes an incredible amount of effort, and I really can't do it that often at all. And I can't focus. I can't gather my attention on any particular issue anymore if there's any distraction going on. And how often, though, is that not just true when we're trying to you know, focus on a task we're trying to accomplish, focus on a, a chore we're trying to do, or simply focus on an article. We saw somebody post on Facebook, and we just want to see what's going on in the world today. Well, Jesus speaks exactly to this issue of focus and attention and the struggle we have with it. It's not just a modern, in, you know, a modern issue with all the technology and all the things going on that we have trouble focusing. This is something that's been going on since the dawn of time. And in the middle of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, his teaching to people who want to be disciples of Jesus, want to be followers of Jesus, he speaks to this. And he uses a very familiar illustration to help us gather the point. In Matthew chapter 6, in verse 19 is where we're going to start. 
It's going to be on page 811 if you're using a Bible on the rack in front of you. You can also find all the notes and scripture, even the announcements that are in the bulletin on our website at thequeen.church right at the top. It'll also all be on your screen too. But Jesus said this, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. So do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Do not lay up for, do not excessively accumulate things on earth where moth and rust destroy, where they can be ruined, where they can be removed from your presence and they can be stolen. Um, Any security that we might find in money or possessions is temporary and false. But how many of us, if we were absolutely honest, don't raise your hands, but if we were absolutely honest would say that we find security in having some financial security. If we had a little bit more money in the bank, we would be, we would feel a little more secure than we do right now at this present moment. It would make us rest at ease and we would feel better about it all and and we would be okay. You know, the word there that, that Jesus uses for treasures means treasure box. It's what you put your treasures into. And so the thing, it says, uh, do not lay up for yourselves things in your treasure box, things that you are saving, things that you are hoarding, things that you are accumulating here, because it's temporary. It's going to fade away. If you find security in something that is temporary and can be removed, so can your security also be removed. If you find faith in something that can't be taken from you, then that faith is forever. That's the point he's starting to drive at. Look at verse 20. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. So rather than collecting and accumulating stuff to make us feel more secure, to make us feel more comfortable, he says, store up, accumulate things in heaven, where they cannot be taken away from you. Collect the impenetrable, unstealable, unruinable things. Collect what lasts forever. And that is the will of God, doing things for the glory of God. Collect what lasts, collect what cannot be removed. Collect what has staying power. The things for which there is no need for a warranty or a money-back guarantee, it will last for all time. Collect what lasts. Now, if we think in our lives, what do we have in our physical possessions that lasts? Everything expires at some point. More often than not, it will expire at the end of the warranty. After the 90-day warranty, the thing dies, and you got to go get a new thing. And, and you need the thing to order, you know, to, to take care of the thing. You know, I, I was thinking about all the possessions that I've owned throughout my life thus far, and the things that last are few and far between. I mean, th- that's part of owning a house, right? It's going to break, and you've got to fix it because it's yours. If you're renting it, then you call the guy who owns it, and he has to come fix it. But if you own the house or you own the car, the thing's going to break a lot. A lot. That's why I've got my rear passenger window in my car jerry-rigged up with clamps because the thing's falling apart. That's why the the washing machine went out a few weeks ago because it's ours and it's going to break. 
That's why we got up one day. <laughs> this will show you. The boys had been had played. They get you know like 30 minutes of video games. You know every every day if they play outside or do their chores or whatever. And they'd been playing and they turned it off and. They went outside again and came back in to turn the TV on to hope it woken up or something and, you know, needed a distraction, and the TV didn't turn on. Now, you can live without a dishwasher. You can live without a washing machine for a little while, but if you've got a little kid in the house and the TV's busted, it is the end of the world. And, uh, of course, warranty's gone. Uh, we did not get the $20 deal at Walmart that'll give you four more years or whatever. Now, you should every time get that thing. And I promise you, when we got a new TV, we got that deal. <laughs> we are, that's worth it. We are not going to do this again. If you have it, it's going to, I mean, everything, with the exception maybe of that Nokia phone from the 90s, everything else is going to, yeah, I saw, you know what I'm talking about. You could run the thing over the truck and it still works. It's, you know, but everything else is going to die. Everything else is going to fall apart. And Jesus says, if you collect what lasts, if you put your faith in and your security in and your trust in the things that will not expire, then you will have a lot more peace within you. Because of this, verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. There your heart will be also. Where your treasure is. The things you place in, the things you pursue and accumulate, things you think about the most, what I am most mindful of, what I am most loyal to, what I, uh, uh, to what I am most mindful of, to that thing I am most loyal. It could be an individual, it could be a system, it could be a, a, a worldview or a principle. If I am, am most mindful of the thing, if I'm thinking about the thing, then I will be most loyal to the thing above all else, and that will be the thing that I accumulate. That will be, whether it's you know, if I'm most uh, uh, speaking here in Jesus' illustration about money, if I think about money and, and my career and making more or, or the stock market or investing here or, or my, my retirement account, and if I, you know, switch up the percentages a little bit, I can get just a little bit more uh, per month. If I do this or that, and, and that becomes the, begins to consume my mind... That's what I'm thinking about the most, and that becomes the thing that I begin to have faith in and trust in rather than Jesus. And so you see, this isn't just something that we've created now, having trouble focusing on Jesus and focusing on God. Back then, just the same as today, they wanted security in having a certain accumulation of money or possessions. And we do the same, because if we don't, get enough, or if we have enough things break that it dwindles down our savings and, and we feel very insecure because we've had to fix the car and fix the washing machine and fix this and fix that and do this and do that and the water heater broke and flooded and we got to do this other thing and, and you begin to get anxiety and you begin to struggle with that issue of feeling insecure because we're finding security in the wrong thing. We're placing our attention in the wrong place, to that which I give the majority of my attention, I have also given my heart and my loyalty and my worship. To that which I invest the majority of my thinking time and my physical time, to that thing I am actually worshiping. 
If I dedicate more time to this, that, or the other thing, and now that doesn't mean you shouldn't do anything. You should only be at church and singing praise songs. That's not what I'm saying. But you can do all of that other stuff. It's what's your spirit in the midst of it? Are you at your job simply to make money or because Jesus has you there for a purpose? Are you mowing the yard because the grass needs to be cut? Are you dreading mowing the yard? I saw a bunch of green in my yard this week, and I'm not looking forward to that. But are you doing it just because it has to be done, or can worship be done to Jesus in the moment? Are you engaging with the people at Walmart because they're a means to an end, and you're just, they have the shortest line, and you're just trying to get out to the car faster? And your attention is on what you can do when you get home rather than being in the moment and worshiping Jesus through the conversation and pointing that person to Jesus. You can still do those other things, but it's what's your pursuit in the moment of that other thing that Jesus is talking about. Where is your attention in the moment when you're doing your job, when you're doing that task, when you're doing that hobby, when you're engaging with those other people in conversation? Is your attention where it should be on Jesus and pursuing his purposes or somewhere else? See, Jesus, he's not condemning money. He's not condemning money. He's condemning our faith in it, our loyalty to it, and our pursuit of it. When that becomes supreme over and above everything else, when we we dedicate our uh, our mind's attention singularly to that focus and that issue, to the neglect of Jesus, We're missing it. And now again, he's speaking to a deeper issue. He's using money to get there, but he's speaking to a deeper issue. You see, because as goes my attention, so goes my heart. As goes my attention, so goes my heart. If I dedicate the majority of my attention to my job rather than my, and and neglect my relationship with my wife, Is that what God has designed? No. If I dedicate the majority of my attention to whatever task has come before me, to a a particular, uh, 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 let's say, a project that's come up at work, rather than to my kids, rather than focused on uh, 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 my relationship with Jesus. I wake up thinking about the project. I, I think about the project on my break. I think about the project when I get home. I think about it constantly, and it's always in the forefront of my mind and to the neglect of my relationship with Jesus. Then I begin to worship that thing and my accomplishment of the thing rather than Jesus. Can Jesus work through me as he has skilled and gifted? Absolutely. But is my attention on Jesus as I do it, or is my attention on the thing, the project, the the conversation, uh, uh, just the mundane memory, uh, muscle memory tasks that we don't even think about rather than on Jesus? We get home and we flip on streaming and we just veg out because we don't want to think about anything because it's been too hard throughout the day. Because throughout the day, we've been thinking about the stuff and thinking about the pursuit of the stuff rather than thinking about Jesus. Because if we pursue Jesus in the midst of the difficulty, we will be internally wired differently than otherwise. Not saying a day won't be hard. Not saying a day won't wear you out, but there will be peace in the midst of the storm where otherwise there would not have been. It's all about where our attention is. As goes my attention, so goes my heart. 
Look at how he phrases it next. Jesus says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. Now maybe you're not like me, and you can absolutely, in first reading, see the relation between that and what came before. But in just glossing it over, I read that and be like, well, Jesus took a sharp left turn. I don't know where he's going with that deal. But he's still speaking about the same issue of our attention. And he's using the eye as the, the, the demonstrator here. He's saying where you put your eye on, what you put your eye on, what you're looking at. So in saying the eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of, full of light. So you're, if your eye is healthy, what treasure are you looking at? What treasure are you giving your attention to? If it's something good, if it's something God-honoring in God's will and God's pursuit, then you will be full of light. You will be healthy, he says. But if your eye is bad, if you're looking at the wrong treasure, your whole body will be full of darkness. My eyes, through what I look at, bring health or sickness, light or darkness, strength or weakness. My eyes, directing where I set my attention, determine my spiritual health. My eyes determine my spiritual health. My attention sets my spiritual health. My attention sets my spiritual health. And that's where this last phrase that he mentions comes in. If the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Because sometimes it's easy to give off the appearance of spiritual health. Give off the appearance as though we are focused on the right thing when in fact internally we're not. Maybe that's not you. Maybe that's just me. That even when we may have our attention on details of the local church, we can still be spiritually and completely unhealthy. Volunteering for everything, pursuing everything, but if we're pursuing it just to pursue it, and not for the glory of God, we're missing it. Because the church is great, the church is a tool of God, but the church is not God. The church is not God. And so we can get distracted and miss it, and get lost in all of the details, all-consuming details that take to, to do this thing, and miss God and his spirit in the midst of it. And I, I, I'm the guiltiest of all of us. And I, I mean, just be honest with you right now. Transparent. I get lost in the details a lot. Like the fact that this screen is sharper than that one. This one is brighter than that one. The LED highlight blue behind me is not uniform and even. I'm not looking because it drives me nuts. The, I told this one before. The median line of these pews does not line up with the middle of the room. That's why I don't look there most Sundays. That drives me crazy. And I get super distracted by it. Uh, and I can get lost in, in the, just the little details of this tech not working or this over here. And all of those things put together can do great things. I've just messed some of you up with the screen deal. You're going to be looking. I've, I saw your heads. You're going to be looking at both of them now from here on out. <laughs> Sorry to ruin, the, you know, pull the curtain back for you. Um, but we can get lost in that or... You know, the, 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 
how we stream online or the software we use to put the stuff on the screens or the cameras we use or the security deal or, 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 or uh, the taste of the coffee. I mean, some people get lost that we use a certain kind of coffee at the church on Sunday. That if we miss the, the, the fact that we are here to worship a holy God and get caught up in all these things and say, well, if I get this done and this done and this done and this done and this done, then everything will run smoothly and it'll be perfect. Yeah, but I just, just doing the task and not doing it for God. It may have started as a thing of, yeah, I'm going to do it for God. It's going to be God-honoring, and that's how we get going. But once we get it going, we, we lose, as uh, uh, Jesus said in the book of Revelation, our first love and begin to pursue something else. We, begin, we, we lose the love we had at first for the thing we were doing for God. Maybe it's a new job. I'm going to do this new job all for Jesus, and I'm going to tell everybody at work about Jesus, and I'm going to be honoring the Jesus and how I speak to everybody, and everybody by the end of this first week is going to know that I'm a follower of Jesus. And then we get in there, and everything's blown up. It's all gone crazy. And we miss the excitement and the passion that we had at first. Maybe that's not you, it's just me. But we get started on something and, and, and we, we lose the fact that it's all about Jesus. And he says, where your treasure is, your heart will be. So keep, our, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, even as you've been doing the thing for a long time. Don't, get, don't trade out eternal purposes for temporary ones. If I'm using what was meant for kingdom purposes, for temporary purposes, then I'm spiritually sick even though I'm giving the appearance of health. Even, not just to other people, but to myself. I can trick myself into thinking I'm spiritually healthy because I'm doing X, Y, and Z and checking all the spiritual boxes, but in truth, I'm not because I'm not doing those things for Jesus. I'm just doing them to do them or doing them for so somebody else will look and see it and say, oh, yeah, you're doing a good job, great but not doing it, or do it to, 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 to make the thing run efficiently and run excellently, but not doing it for Jesus. Maybe it's raising my kids just to keep the house at a reasonable decibel level and my frustration level below 50% rather than raising them to become the people God designed them to become, fully devoted God worshipers. In my relationship with my wife, in my relationship with all of you guys, with Micah, am I pursuing it to accomplish a task or to pursue Jesus in the midst of all of it? It's where's my attention in the moment? Confessionally, a lot of times, it's not where it needs to be. It's not. It's not but I'm still in progress. I'm still working on that. Or God's still working on me to make me who he wants me to be. VBS song. Y'all need to come to VBS this summer. Look at verse 24. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. You cannot. You, you cannot do both. You can't. Now, <clears throat> we got to understand too. When he talks about masters here, this is slavery. This isn't. 
employment. Obviously, you can have more than one job and be, you know, serve more than one boss, but he's talking ownership. Jesus isn't endorsing slavery by any stretch of the imagination. He's using a cultural phenomenon that they knew, they were very familiar with, and many of, some of them were slaves. And he's using that to illustrate his point. He's not endorsing it. He's using it to illustrate his point. He says you can't have two masters. You can't serve them both. You will either love one and hate the other in that you choose one over the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other because you choose this one instead of that one in how you live and how you pursue. And then he says you cannot serve both God and money. Literally, you are unable to do it. It's not just you cannot because you, you mentally can't go there because you're choosing. He says it's, it's impossible to serve both. You cannot. You are unable to do it. You are unable to serve God and a life of wealth and possessions and a life that has attention on anything other than Jesus. You cannot serve both. Because what ends up happening, let's say this represents... Let's say that represents for the moment, that table there will represent uh, what is money, wealth and possessions. That if I've got my attention on that thing, and let's say these things that we give our attention to in our lives have, have, have an uncalculable uh, gravitational pull. That once we get close enough to them, they pull us off balance and off path where Jesus wants us to go. So say, Jesus wants me to go to that door over there, and I'm walking along, but I've got my attention here. Inevitably, my steps are going to begin to steer me that way till I get close enough that, that the gravitational pull of the wealth and possessions suck me in. And so I just begin to orbit this thing, and this becomes my pursuit. This begins to feed me, and this is where I stay orbiting this thing over and over and over again. Even though I know God wants me to go that way, and every once in a while I can look, oh, I know God wants me to go that way, but I'm still here. And it's got me in, and I'm so caught in to this thing, pursuing this thing, because I've allowed the gravity of it to grab a hold of my spirit. And I, with my own strength and power, cannot break the gravitational pull of anything in this world. Only with the power of Jesus can I break the bonds of the gravitational pull of where he wants me to go? I have to direct my attention away from anything with gravity enough to pull me away from where God wants me to go. Like, let me illustrate it in a bigger way. I'm going to walk in front of the heat in there. Let's say I'm over here. And I know, this is, let's say this, this represents the beginning of my spiritual life, this door. Right, I've just come through that, and I know Jesus wants me to go through that door. That's the end of my life, and I, there's a lot that takes place to get me from here to there, but as I'm going that direction, and I begin to see other things in the room, and begin to go, still going in that general direction, but walking and looking around and going around, I'm no longer going in a straight line towards that deal, but let's make it even more funky, because life isn't you know, an even path. It has ups and downs. I'm not going to, I'm really going to mess it up if I walk in front of that one. It's got ups and downs, and I know that's where I need to go. That's the direction I need to pursue, but there's a lot of stuff in my way. We got monitors, we got speakers, we got video monitors, we got microphones, a piano. There's a lot in between me and that, 
And I know that's where I need to go. And so I start going where he wants me to go. But again, I get distracted. I see this thing over here, and I see all of you guys looking, and I begin to get distracted, and I can get tripped up really easily because I'm not looking where I need to be looking, keeping my attention where I need to be keeping my attention, and I can be walking and tripping and falling and going this way and do what some of you think I'm going to do every Sunday and fall off the stage, and I can go over here and finally get this way. I'm close, but there's a cord here you guys can't see. There's a cord y'all can't see. But if I'm walking and, and not keeping my eyes where they need to be, but I'm looking over here, my feet can get tangled up in this cord. And not only will then that trip me up, but that will yank everything else that's in my life down. And I will not be pursuing what he wants me to pursue, going where he wants me to go, getting to where he wants me to go. But if I keep my attention where it needs to be, everything else changes. All those distractions and all those obstacles are still there, but then he's the one who's guiding me. If my eyes are fixed on Jesus, he's saying, take a step to the left, two steps forward, a step to the right. You're around that one. Pick your foot up big time and go over this one. This one's going to be hard. You have to climb up over this obstacle, but I'm with you the whole way. If we keep our attention on Jesus and not put our attention on something else, maybe our attention is on something that happened to us five years ago. And we've allowed the thing that happened to us. Yes, it was bad, and yes, it, I'm, not, I'm not belittling. Yes, it was bad, absolutely. But we're allowing the thing to keep us anchored. We're allowing the thing to, to, to uh, uh, keep us tethered to an orbit God did not design us to be with. Keep us anchored to a place in the past God designed us to move through. Because I go where I aim my eyes. My mind's eye, my heart's eye, I go where I aim them. And if I aim them on the insecurity I feel because of temporary issues, or I go, or I aim them at something that happened many, many years ago, or I aim them at something that may have started as a good thing, but I have perverted it into something that is keeping me away from Jesus rather than drawing me to him, then, then I am spiritually sick because I've aimed my eyes at something less than divine. Aim my attention at something outside of Jesus' purview. So maybe you have been chasing the wrong thing. Maybe you've had your attention on the wrong thing. Maybe it seemed like a good thing. Maybe the perception you give off is the thing you're pursuing is a good thing. But in reality, there's a sickness there because the motivation is incorrect. Maybe you've been pursuing the wrong person. Yeah, let's sit on that one a sec. Maybe one of you in this room have been pursuing someone other than your spouse. And you're sweating it out right now. And you don't know what to do. And you, your attention is somewhere it ought not to be. That doesn't mean... God's going to dump you in some spiritual landfill. But you have to get right with God and the person that you have offended with your sin. And then get back on the path he designed for you to have. Maybe your attention is, is on your job instead of Jesus. On your job 
instead of your family. Maybe your attention is on a health issue. And health, when, when something goes wrong, should have our attention. But we should have our attention on Jesus as we walk through it. We should have faith in Jesus as we're experiencing it. Or maybe you've fallen into the trap Jesus was exactly speaking about in his illustration, and your attention is on financial things, finding security in financial things, having a, 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 an end goal of what you want in your bank account to finally feel secure. But you know what? Big secret? You never will. You never will. I saw an interview of a guy a few years ago. I mean, had more money than any of us can imagine, much less ever hold. He had reached the pinnacle of his career. And he's being interviewed after another great success. And the guy interviewing him said, hey, you know, you're at the top of your game. I mean, this is the best it can be. What, how does it feel? Guy's not a believer. And he said, empty. <laughs> I really, I, I need more. <laughs> I need to do it again uh, because it's the pursuit of the thing. I mean, having achieved success doesn't bring me any satisfaction. And it's hard for us, maybe who have not achieved the top of our field or the financial security we wish we had to understand that. But there's not just emptiness in the pursuit, there's emptiness in the gain of the thing that if it is not Jesus, it will leave you empty and in failure, wallowing in failure, spiritually sick, dead and dying because it's not Jesus where you fixed your attention. Now, what you have to do is inject Jesus in all of it. And it's going to take an incredible effort, no doubt, because you're going to have to start to exercise that spiritual muscle that may not have ever been exercised, or it's been some time since you've really exerted some effort there to inject Jesus in your relationship with your kids, with your spouse, with your parents, in your job. It may cost you your job. That's only because Jesus has something else for you to do. Because if you're doing something as a believer and you don't inject Jesus in it, it's not what he desires for you to have. It's not. Jesus desires you to follow him and be his uh, um, ambassadors to this world. And he'll take care of everything we need, everything we need, finding security and faith in him. So whether your attention is on something like this, the money thing, maybe the attention you've been giving, maybe your attention is on the political landscape, and that's where you dedicate the majority of your time. Maybe you spend more time on cable news than in God's word and prayer. I did see one of you just elbow your spouse on that one. Maybe, maybe God designed you to live a life that's better than the one you've been living. I guarantee you he has. What did he say? The abundant life came to give you life and to the abundant. 
And so accumulation of temporary things isn't going to give us any kind of abundance. It's going to give us a bunch of stuff that will rot. But if we pursue his will, his righteousness, his forever, that stuff will never rot. That stuff will last on into generations, generations that will long forget my name, but will not forget the legacy if I begin to inject Jesus into my children. Two generations from now, they're not going to know me. They may say, oh, that guy, great granddad, whatever, back when. Man, he had a bunch of junk in his shed we had to clean up when he died. (laughs) But if I inject Jesus, then generationally everything will change. And I stop passing passing on things that will no longer matter, but begin to pass on the only thing that ever will faith. So where is your attention today? What is your pursuit today? Where are you anchored? What are you orbiting in your mind's eye? That you're already, some of you right now in the room are already having an argument with God saying, no, but I can, I can justify why my attention is on that thing because, you know, really it's all about you, Jesus. I mean, I, I can, I can kind of get there, you know. In the fine print, it's about Jesus. But if we're open and honest with ourselves, it's not. Even if it seemed like a good thing or even if it was an absolute good thing in, in the beginning, but we've allowed it to become moldy and bitter and it's not what he desires for us now it's time to give up the the temporary and embrace the life God has for you and it's all about where your attention is is your attention on Jesus or somewhere else maybe today you need to put your attention on Jesus for the first time and say I've thought about a lot of things and pursued a lot of things and chased after a lot of things But none of it brought satisfaction. It made me feel good for a little while, but very quickly that wore off and I I was jumping on the next bandwagon to pursue something else. Jesus is the only one that can bring satisfaction. He's the only living water that can make you never have to thirst again. And so will you today, if you do not yet believe that Jesus is God's son, that he died so all your sins would be forgiven, And then he rose from the dead so that you can live after you die. And that is giving him your full attention from the beginning. That is you walking through the first door saying, I believe. And having walked through the first door of belief, you can never go back. You're in a new plane of existence now. Jesus tells us in John chapter 17, that is the beginning of eternal life is the moment you believe. Not when you die at some point in the future. You don't start eternal life then. You start eternal life the moment you believe. And so if you're a believer now, you have eternal life right now. And you're walking in eternity right now. But in that eternity, where is your attention?